0: We continue our story. The Reluctant Dragon by Kenneth Graham. Next morning, the people began streaming up to the Downs at quite an early hour, in their Sunday clothes and carrying baskets with bottlenecks sticking out of them, everyone intent on securing good places for the combat. This was not exactly a simple matter, for of course it was quite possible that the dragon might win. And in that case, even those who had put money on him felt that they could hardly expect him to deal with his backers on a different footing to the rest. Places were chosen, therefore, with circumspection, and with a view to a speedy retreat in case of emergency, and front rank was mostly composed of boys who had escaped from parental control and were now sprawled and rolled about on the grass, regardless of the shrill threats and warnings discharged at them by their anxious mothers behind. The boys secured a good front place, well up toward the cave and was feeling as anxious as a stage manager on the first night. Could this dragon be depended upon? He might change his mind and vote the whole performance rot, or else, seeing that the affair had been so hastily planned, without even a rehearsal, he might be too nervous to show up. The boy looked narrowly at the cave, but it showed no sign of life or occupation. Could the dragon have made a moonlight flitting? The higher portions of the ground were now black with sightseers, and presently a sound of cheering and a waving of handkerchiefs told that something was visible to them which the boy, far up towards the dragon end of the line as he was, could not yet see. A minute more and St. George's red plumes topped the hill, as the saint rode slowly forth on the great level space which stretched up to the grim mouth of the cave. Very gallant and beautiful he looked on his tall war war-horse his golden armor glancing in the sun, his great spear held erect, the little white pennon, crimson-crossed, fluttering at its point. He drew rein and remained motionless. The lines of spectators began to give back a little, nervously, and even the boys in front stopped pulling hair and cuffing each other and leaned toward expectant. "'Now then, dragon,' muttered the boy, impatiently, fidgeting where he sat. He need not have distressed himself, had he only known. The dramatic possibilities of the thing had tickled the dragon immensely, and he had been up from an early hour preparing for his first public appearance with as much heartiness as if the years had run backwards, and he had been again a little dragon nut, playing with his sisters on the floor of their mother's cave at the game of saints and dragons, in which the dragon was bound to win. A low muttering mingled with snorts, now made itself heard, rising to a bellowing roar which seemed to fill the plain. Then a cloud of smoke obscured the mouth of the cave, and out of the midst of it the dragon himself, shining, sea-blue, magnificent, pranced splendidly forth, and everybody said, Ooh, as if he had been a mighty rocket. His scales were glittering, his long spiky tail lashed his sides, His claws tore up the turf and set it flying over his back, and smoke and fire incessantly jetted from his angry nostrils. Oh, well done, dragon, cried the boy excitedly. Didn't think he had it in him, he added to himself. St. George lowered a spear, bent his head, dug his heels into his horse's sides, and came thundering over the turf. The dragon charged with a roar and a squeal, "'a great blue whirling combination of coils and snorts "'and clashing jaws and spikes and fire. "'Mist!' yelled the crowd. "'That was a moment's entanglement of golden armor "'and blue-green coils and spiky tail, "'and then the great horse, tearing at his bit, "'carried the saint, his spear swung high in the air, "'almost up to the mouth of the cave. "'The dragon sat down and barked viciously, "'while St. George, with difficulty, "'pulled his horse round into position.' End of round one, thought the boy. How well they managed it. But I hope the saint won't get excited. I can trust a dragon, all right. What a regular play actor this fellow is. Saint George had at last prevailed upon his horse to stand steady and was looking around him as he wiped his brow. Catching sight of the boy, he smiled and nodded and held up three fingers for an instant. It seems to be all planned out, said the boy to himself. Round three is to be the finishing one, evidently. Wish it could have lasted a bit longer. Whatever is that old fool of a dragon up to now? The dragon was employing the interval in giving a ramping performance for the benefit of the crowd. Ramping, it should be explained, consists of running round and round in a wide circle and sending waves of ripples of movement along the whole length of your spine from your pointed ears right down to the spike at the end of your long tail. When you are covered with blue scales, the effect is particularly pleasing, and the boy recollected the dragon's recently expressed wish to become a social success. St. George now gathered up his reins and began to move forward, dropping the point of his spear and settling himself firmly in the saddle. Time! yelled everybody excitedly. And the dragon, leaving off his ramping, set up on end, and began to leap from one side to the other with huge, ungainly bounds, whooping loudly. This naturally disconcerted the horse, whirred violently, the saint only just saving himself by the mane. And as they shot past, the dragon delivered a vicious snap at the horse's tail, which sent the poor beast careening madly far over the downs, so that the language of the saint, who had lost a stirrup, was unfortunately inaudible to the general assemblage. Round two evoked audible evidence of friendly feeling towards the dragon. The spectators were not slow to appreciate a combatant who could hold his own so well, and clearly wanted to show good sport. Then many encouraging remarks reached the ears of our friend, as he strutted to and fro, his chest thrust out and his tail in the air, hugely enjoying his new popularity. St. George had dismounted and was tightening his girths and telling his horse, with quite the flow of imagery, exactly what he thought of him, and his relations, and his conduct on the present occasion. So the boy made his way down to the saint's end of the line and held his spear for him. "'It's been a jolly fight, St. George,' he said with a sigh. "'Can't you let it last a bit longer?' "'Well, I think I'd better not,' replied the saint. The fact is, your simple-minded old friend's getting conceited. Now they've begun cheering him, and he'll forget all about the arrangement and take to playing the fool. And there's no telling where he would stop. I'll just finish him off this round. He swung himself from the saddle and took his spear from the boy. Now don't you be afraid, he ended kindly. I've marked my spot exactly, and he's sure to give me all the assistance in his power. Because he knows it's his only chance of being asked to the banquet. St. George now shortened his spear, bringing the butt well up under his arm, and, instead of galloping as before, trotted smartly towards the dragon, who crouched at his approach, flicking his tail till it cracked in the air like a great cart-whip. The saint wheeled as he neared his opponent and circled warily round him, keeping his eye on the spare place, while the dragon, adopting similar tactics, paced with caution round the same circle, occasionally fainting with his head. So the two sparred for an opening while the spectators maintained a breathless silence. Though the round lasted for some minutes, the end was so swift that all the boy saw was a lightning movement of the saint's arm, and then a whirl and a confusion of spines, claw, tail, and flying bits of turf. The dust cleared away, the spectators whooped and ran in cheering, and the boy made out that the dragon was down, pinned to the earth by the spear, while St. George had dismounted and stood astride of him. It all seemed so genuine that the boy ran in breathlessly, hoping that the dear old dragon wasn't really hurt. As he approached, the dragon lifted one large eyelid, winked solemnly, and collapsed again. He was held fast to earth by the neck, but the saint had hit him in the spare place agreed upon, and it didn't even seem to tickle. "Bain't you gonna cut his head off, master?' asked one of the applauding crowd. He had backed the dragon and actually felt a trifle sore. "'Well, not today, I think,' replied St. George pleasantly. "'You see, that can be done at any time. "'There's no hurry at all. "'I think we'll all go down to the village first and have some refreshments, "'and then I'll give him a good talking to, "'and you'll find he'll be a very different dragon.' "'And that magic word, refreshment, "'the whole crowd formed up in procession "'and silently awaited the signal to start.' The time for talking and cheering and betting was past. The hour for action had arrived. St. George, hauling on his spear with both hands, released the dragon, who rose and shook himself and ran his eye over his spikes and scales and things, to see that they were all in order. Then the saint mounted and led off the procession, the dragon following meekly in the company of the boy, while the thirsty spectators kept at a respectful interval behind. There were great doings when they got down to the village again, and he had formed up in front of the inn. After refreshment, St. George made a speech, in which he informed his audience that he had removed that direful scourge and a great deal of trouble and inconvenience to himself, and now they weren't to go about grumbling and fancying they've got grievances, because they hadn't, and they shouldn't be so fond of fights, because next time they might have to do the fighting themselves, which would not be the same thing at all and there was a certain badger in the inn stables, which had got to be released at once, and he'd come and see it done himself. Then he told them that the dragon had been taking over things, and saw that there were two sides to every question, and he wasn't going to do it any more. and if they were good, perhaps he'd stay and settle down there. So they must make friends and not be prejudiced, and go about fancying they knew everything there was to be known, because they didn't, not by a long way and he warned them against the sin of romancing and making up stories and fancying other people would believe them, just because they were plausible and highly woven. Then he sat down amidst much repentant cheering, and the dragon nudged the boy in the ribs and whispered that he couldn't have done it better himself. Then everyone went off to get ready for the banquet. Banquets are always pleasant things, consisting mostly, as they do, of eating and drinking. But the especially nice thing about a banquet is that it comes when something's over and there's nothing more to worry about, and tomorrow seems a long way off. St. George was happy because there had been a fight, and he hadn't had to kill anyone, for he didn't really like killing, though he generally had to do it. The dragon was happy because there had been a fight, and so far from being hurt in it, the dragon was happy because there had been a fight, and so far from being hurt in it, he had won popularity and a sure footing in society. The boy was happy because there had been a fight, and in spite of it all his two friends were on the best of terms. And all the others were happy because there had been a fight, and, well, they didn't require any other reasons for their happiness. The dragon exerted himself to say the right thing to everybody and prove the life and soul of the evening, while the saint and the boy, as they looked on, felt that they were only assisting at a feast in which the honor and the glory were entirely the dragons. But they didn't mind that, being good fellows, and the dragon was not in the least proud or forgetful. On the contrary, every ten minutes or so he leant over towards the boy and said impressively, Look here, you will see me home afterwards, won't you? And the boy always nodded, though he had promised his mother not to be out late. At last the banquet was over. The guests had dropped away with many good nights and congratulations and invitations, and the dragon, who had seen the last of them off the premises, emerged into the street, followed by the boy, wiped his brow, sighed, sat down in the road and gazed at the stars. Jolly night, it's been, he had murmured. Jolly stars! Jolly little place, this! Think I shall just stop here. Don't feel like climbing up any beastly hill. Boys promised to see me home. Boy, would better do it, then. No responsibility on my part. Responsibility all the boys.' And his chin sank on his broad chest, and he slumbered peacefully. "'Oh, get up, dragon!' cried the boy piteously. "'You know my mother's sitting up, and I'm so tired, and you made me promise to see you home.' "'I never knew what it meant, or I wouldn't have done it.' "'And the boy sat down in the road by the side of the sleeping dragon and cried. "'The door behind them opened. "'A stream of light illumined the road, "'and St. George, who had come out for a stroll in the cool night air, "'caught sight of the two figures sitting there, "'the great motionless dragon and the tearful little boy. "'What's the matter, boy?' he inquired kindly, stepping to his side. "'Oh, it's this great lumbering pig of a dragon,' sobbed the boy. First, he makes me promise to see him home, "'and then he says I'd better do it, and then goes to sleep. "'Might as well try to see a haystack home. "'And I'm so tired. "'And mother's here,' he broke down again. "'Now don't you take on,' said St. George. "'I'll stand by you, and we'll both see him home.' "'Wake up, dragon!' he said sharply, shaking the beast by the elbow." The dragon looked up sleepily. "'What a night, George!' he murmured. "'What a—now, look here, dragon!' said the saint firmly. "'Here's this little fellow waiting to see you home. "'And you know he ought to have been in bed these two hours, "'and what his mother will say, I don't know. "'And anybody but a selfish pig would have made him go to bed long ago. "'And he shall go to bed!' cried the dragon, starting up. "'Poor little chap! Only fancy his being up at this hour!' "'It's a shame, that's what it is, and I don't think, St. George, you've been very considerate. "'But come along at once and don't let us have any more arguing or shilly-shallying. "'You give me hold of your hand, boy. Thank you, George. An arm up the hill is just what I wanted.' "'They set off up the hill arm in arm, the saint, the dragon, and the boy.' The lights in the little village began to go out, but there were stars and a late moon as they climbed to the downs together. And as they turned the last corner and disappeared from view, snatches of an old song were borne back on the night breeze. I can't be certain which of them were singing, but I think it was the dragon. Here we are at your gate, said the man, abruptly laying his hand on it. Good night. Cut along in sharp or you'll catch it. Could it really be our own gate? Yes, there it was, sure enough, with the familiar marks on its bottom bar made by our feet when we swung on it. Oh, but wait a minute, cried Charlotte. I want to know a heap of things. Did the dragon really settle down? And there isn't any more of that story, said the man, kindly but firmly. At least not tonight. Now, be off. Goodbye. wonder if it's all true, said Charlotte, as we hurried up the path. "'Sounded dreadfully like nonsense in parts. "'Perhaps it's true for all that,' replied encouragingly. "'Charlotte bolted in like a rabbit out of the cold and the dark. "'But I lingered a moment in the still frosty air, "'for a backward glance at the silent white world without, "'ere I changed it for the land of firelight and cushions and laughter. "'It was a day for choir practice, and carol time was at hand, "'and a belated member was passing homewards down the road, singing as he went.' Then, St. George, ye made reverence in the stable so dim. O oh, vanquished the dragon so fearful and grim, so grim and so fierce, that now may we say all peaceful is our waken on this very day. The singer receded, the carol died away. But I wondered with my hand on the door latch whether that was a song or something like it that the dragon sang as he toddled contentedly up the hill. Sometimes people are looking for a fight and that's all they want. Nothing will satisfy them but. And sometimes you gotta give it to them. Just not in the way that they want. I'll tell you, what I do want is a great deal. Perhaps from Amazon.com. Everything from A to Z, right in their name. Enter Bvj in the promo code, and it will do absolutely nothing because this is not a sponsored read. I want to remind you that we are always looking for great public domain stories to feature on the podcast. If you know of one, please email me bigvoicej at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. we all uh, it helps to spread the word that we're putting people to. Sl- it helps to spread the word that we're putting people to sleep each and every night. We now have a YouTube channel, tiny.cc bvjbedtime. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. We'll continue with our story on our next episode. I want to remind you that we're always on the lookout for great public domain stories like this one to feature on the podcast. If you know of any, please let us know, bigvoicej at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps to spread the word that we're putting people to sleep each and every single night. We also have a YouTube channel, tiny.cc slash bvjbedtime. Thank you so much for listening. Good night.